on, y'all give God a good hand clap of praise this morning, amen. As you're opening up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number two, we are in a series this morning called Oh Christmas Tree, and the title of this morning's message is Artificial or Real? artificial or real and so as they're getting everything set up hey i want to encourage you mark your calendars for january 13th january 20th and january 27th we are having our next steps it is your spiritual orientation into your fulfillment in the kingdom of god right here at twbc i'm gonna be sitting right here on the front row going through this with you guys and we're gonna uh we are intending to bring the whole church through our next steps program in three weeks and so um in a three-week time period so that's going to be crazy awesome in what God begins to do through that. So, hey, mark your calendar to be here for those three Sundays. I promise it will change your life. And as you are looking in, the, in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number two, I want to encourage you to jump in if you've never done it before or you've done it multiple times on our prayer and fasting. January 6th kicks off 21 days of prayer and fasting. Begin to go before God now and have God prepare your heart on what he's calling you to do and to fast uh, so that way when you begin to fast, you experience and encounter God in ways you never have before. I'll be preaching a message on it the last Sunday of this year, December 30th, so you go into the new year fully informed on what fasting is, how it'll transform your life, and so January the 6th will kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we hope that you'll join in us for that time as we go through it as a church because we are expecting God to do amazingly big things next year. And so I like to say it like this. We're going to put something on the altar. Amen. We're going to give God a sacrifice of, of us. And we're going to say, God, it's not because we're doing a sacrifice of works that you're going to move, but we want to hear your voice, hear you in a way. So we're going to give up something of ourselves to seek you in ways that we've never seek you before. And so that's going to happen January 6th. We're kicking that off. And so now that you found in your Bibles, Luke chapter number two, and we're kicking this off in verse number eight. As I mentioned earlier, the title of this morning's message is artificial or real. And as we are talking about the two trees, as we mentioned last week, let's read in um, the gospel of Luke chapter number two, verse eight. And it says in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Everybody say good news of great joy. Everybody say great joy that will be for all people. Everybody say all people. That means me. Come on, say that means me. And I'll prove it to you because it says right here for unto you. For unto you, for unto Joel, this has happened. For unto you, and I want to encourage you in this. As you read the Bible, if you do not personalize it, it'll never become personal. When it says, for unto you, he wasn't talking to the shepherds. He was talking to Pastor Joel. So I want you to begin to personalize the scriptures in your life so it becomes personal to who you are. For unto you, for unto me, is born this day in the city of David uh, a Savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and suddenly everybody say suddenly this is a 4,000 year suddenly in the making can I get an amen I guarantee you that the angels who got to proclaim this and declare the glories of God at this moment I believe from the moment Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden they were ready to go declare exactly what they were declaring here and so this is a 4,000 year suddenly in the making amen it was suddenly to the shepherds, but it wasn't suddenly to the kingdom of God. Amen. 
The Bible says Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. So it may have been suddenly that night to the shepherds. It may have a suddenly impact on your life today, but it wasn't suddenly in the kingdom of heaven. Can I get an amen? God is doing some awesome things, and he has always been, and he wants to continue doing it in your life. So, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Do you know why I'm so glad that this says and and the heavenly host uh, were praising God and saying, not singing? Because when we preach this message, I don't have to sing it. I just get to say it. Amen. Some of y'all always say, well, the angels were singing. No, it says they were saying. So that way you can just read it and you really ain't got to sing it. Amen. It says, and when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby and the baby lying in a manger. And so, Father, we thank you. For what took place here and what will take place as we discuss the two trees that are standing before us. God, change our life. Give us an encounter with you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Now last week we talked about two trees. We talked about this tree. And what if the purpose of this tree, tree number one, was created only for the purpose to become tree number two? And what if the, all the things that God did throughout all the history, he planted this tree, tree one, to become one thing and one thing only? And that would be the cross that would carry the, the body of our Savior Jesus. Jesus Christ in tree number two. And I want to begin to to remind you of something that we talked about last week that I'm going to reiterate this week and it'll flow into next week as as I am preaching this message. If you begin to think, wow, so-and-so should have heard that, I'm going to encourage you to get back on track because if so-and-so should have heard it, they would have been here. Amen. God would have got them here. So if they're not here and you're thinking so-and-so should have heard it, we'll dial back in and say, I guess I should have heard it. Amen. Because this message is for you. Because the Bible says, for unto you a Savior is born. Unto you this message is being preached. And I'm praying for all the people watching online and the people who watch this video from years to come. Unto you as you listen to it then that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. So the moment I'm preaching it now, it has power. And when you hear it five years from now, it'll still have power. Because it's still the same God getting the same message to the people that he sent his Savior to. And that is you. Everybody say, that's me. So this is where we're at. And so what if last week we said... We were this tree here that carried the body, the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we found out from 2 Corinthians that we literally are the ones carrying around in us the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that the life of Jesus Christ may live through us and people can see the life that there is in Jesus Christ. And I often begin to wonder as I think about tree number two. And as I look at tree number two. What would this tree say if it had words to describe what it was like when the blood of Jesus touched the dead wood of this tree for the first time? What would tree number two say when the blood of Jesus washed it from the top of it to the bottom of it and his flesh was put into it? 
What would this tree say if it had a voice to tell you what it was like to be impacted in such a way by the blood of the Son of God himself? And then I ask myself another question. I ask the question, what would it be like if it could talk? But why do I want a tree to preach a message that I as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ am supposed to be preaching? Not a preacher supposed to be preaching. Why, is I, why am I wanting a tree to preach a message that Joel should be preaching? Not Pastor Joel, not the one who planted the church, Joel, but Joel T. Meyer, who's been washed in the blood of the Lamb, who's been impacted by the blood of Jesus. Why am I wanting everything and everyone else to talk about the blood when it's my job as a believer, not as a pastor, but just as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, to tell you what it was like when the blood of Jesus touched my life for the very first time and transformed me forevermore. It was the most transformational thing that happened in all of creation when the blood of Jesus touched this tree but when the blood of Jesus touched me it changed everything also what was it like when you encountered the blood of Jesus for the very first time do you remember do you remember the day that you got born again See, chronologically, so much time has gone by in many of our lives that the blood of Jesus has seemed to thin out some. That the blood of Jesus, we've heard about it so much and we've been so privileged to, to live in a nation where the gospel is preached freely. That the blood of Jesus doesn't hold the same impact in our life today as it did the day that it first impacted us when we got born again. And the heart of this message is for this, for you to be impacted once again by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Tree number two's job to tell you how it felt when the blood of Jesus washed it from the top to the bottom. But it's our job as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. What if the only reason that this tree was created was so it would become this tree? What if the only reason you were created was to talk and tell about how the blood of Jesus impacted your life in such a way that the Bible says you got a new life, became born again, a new creation in Christ Jesus, completely different than anything that had ever happened in all of creation for you. Come on now, God's got something for you today. And if you don't have the app on your phone, I want you to download it because this message is on our app because I'm not going to get through all these scriptures this morning. And I got a bunch of them. And I'm going to go through them as fast as I can and as good as I can and as quick as I can, but I'm not going to rush it. <laughs> so if I get three scriptures in and it's been 30 minutes, I got 30 minutes to tell you about the most transformational thing in all the universe. The blood of Jesus. That's not enough time to tell you about the transformational power of God. But listen, you are intelligent people. You have the mind of Christ in you if you're born again. And you don't need me to preach to you about the blood of Jesus. But you do need to go to the scriptures that talk about the blood of Jesus and begin to find out for yourself what the blood of Jesus did for you. The minute it touched you and transformed you and you became different, find out why you're different. Find out why. When I was washed in the blood, the Bible says this, my sin was paid for once and for all. 
The Bible says this in Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. It says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for purification of the flesh, listen to this, how much more will the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal Spirit of God offered himself without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. The first thing you got to know what the blood of Jesus Christ did for you. It did not just atone for you. It did not just cover. Atone means to cover. The, the English language is horrible, especially when you try to translate from Aramaic and the Hebrew into the English language with the Greek translation in the middle of it. It's horrible. And we did not have a good enough word, so we use the word atone through the Old Testament and the New Testament. But there's something different between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The blood of the Old Testament atoned because it's the blood of bulls and goats as the Bible said and it just covered our sin so the wrath of God wouldn't come the blood of Jesus Christ the blood of the new covenant didn't just cover your sin it destroyed sin and destroyed the power of sin in your life to change you forevermore listen you are not a victim to sin you are an overcomer of sin by the blood of the lamb and I want to tell you today you're not the person you were before you were born again you may still struggle with the same habits, but after today, I'm believing that the blood of Jesus didn't just transform you spiritually. When it touched you, it touched all of you. It touched your spirit. It touched your soul and your mind, your will and your emotions, and it touches your physical body, and you become a new creation. All things about you become new. Come on now. We're going to learn about the blood, and you're going to hear about the blood. With that blood, the Bible says... We can enter into the holy place and live. See, we don't understand. In the Old Testament, only the great high priest could go into the place where the presence of God would show up. And if he was not sprinkled with blood before he went in, he would die. We're not going into the earthly tabernacle when we come into the presence of God. We're going into his heavenly tabernacle. We're going into the real holy of holies, not a gold ark where he would come down and rest between the cherubim and the seraphim. He wouldn't just come rest there. We get to go into the place where the cherubim and the seraphim are always at, where the presence of God always is, where they don't need a moon or they don't need a sun because the glory of God, the radiance of God gives light to all of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says this, we can enter into that holy place and live. Therefore, brothers, since we have this confidence... To enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new way and by a living way. Ain't you glad he ain't the dead way? Hallelujah. It's a new way. He's a living way. We get to enter by the blood that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Now listen, when he opened it up, listen, this is what happened. The minute on the cross of Calvary and died the curtain that symbolized our, the, the blockage between the holy place and the most holy place was torn from top to bottom and that meant that people could go into the presence of God unhindered it also meant the presence of God could come out and overflow unhindered and Jesus said this is what that's what happened in the earthly temple this is what happened in the heavenly temple I tore the heavenly temple curtain open which is my body to give you a new way and a living way to access the presence of God and not die because my blood didn't just open up the way it 
destroyed the power of sin so you could know the way and come into the presence of Almighty God. Oh, come on. Man, I'm, I'm about to run a lap around this building. I'm telling you. There is nothing more sacred to me than the blood of Jesus. Because without the blood, without the blood, there is nothing that makes us different than the rest of the world. The Bible says this. That was Hebrews 10, 19 and, and through 22. You need to read Hebrews 9 and 10 this week. And you just find out about the blood, the great high priest, what Jesus did. This right here says, I am justified according to Romans 5, 8, 9. But God shows his love for us, love for Joel, that while Joel was a sinner, Christ died for Joel. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. What does justified mean? It means just as if it never happened. Lisa, just as if I had never sinned. Just as if sin nature had never entered the world. We have been justified, the Bible says. And it says, uh, where, where am I? Yeah, there it goes. It says, we have now have been justified by his blood much more. See, there's still more. You didn't just get justified as if it never happened. Much more is taking place. Shall we be saved by him, the Father, and Jesus from the wrath of God and y'all, that ain't Old Testament scripture. That's Romans. Okay? Praise God for the blood. I don't know if we understand what we got when we got the blood. And I'll tell you this. I don't understand what I got when I got Jesus. I'm going to preach about it to the best of my knowledge, but I still have not exhausted the depths of my Savior. I still have not fully understood or comprehended what the blood of Jesus Christ actually, actually did in the earthly and in the heavenlies simultaneously that shook all of creation so much that the earth split open with the earthquake, that rock shattered at that moment that he breathed his last. Something changed all of creation at that moment, and I'm going to find out what it is. I hadn't got there yet, just like Paul said. I hadn't arrived, but one thing I do, I'm going to press on. I'm going to find out about the blood, what it did. Because if it opened up much more of a way, oh, come on now. I am forgiven in him. Mm. I was listening to a message this week, changed my whole thought process on something. That we always look at in the beginning as a time frame. In is not a time frame word. In is a location word. In is a location word. So in the beginning, the beginning was in something. It was in him. It was in God. So it says in him. So if you're going to have this forgiveness, the redemption through his blood, we got to be in him. In him is not a time frame. In him is a location. And I'm going to ask you where you're located. You're not located in TWBC in this building. We're located in him. And we're just walking in here to gather corporately and worship him at a place in him together. And that's why there's such a blessing of corporate worship. Because when we get in him together and get together in him. Come on, we got a bunch of in hymns together. Come on, you'll get that in a minute. Everybody just reach up and grab it because it went right over some of your heads. Just, just grab a hold of it and say, I got this, even if you ain't got it. In him we have the redemption redeemed redeemed means to be brought back to an original state through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses or sins according to the riches of his grace Ooh. I, I may not get past this verse I got a lot farther in first service but this was so good according to the riches of his grace 
which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Now listen, that, that, this verse is Ephesians 1, verses 7 and 8. Now, I've got to tell you this because some of you may not believe this, but God is not stupid. And some of you treat him like he is. They're like, God, what are you doing? Right? He knows what he's doing. It says he's got all wisdom and insight. And listen to what he did with all wisdom and all insight. And this is how he is. He is, he is all-knowing. Okay? Omniscient, all-knowing, all-omni, all-science, knowing, knowledge. It's where we get it from. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. It says, in all of his wisdom and insight, he decided to lavish upon us. That doesn't mean you get a little... You get a little. He backed up a dump truck. And he looked at you, Dahlia, and said, this dump truck's for you. And I'm going to dump it all upon you. And I'm going to lavish it upon you. Because my son paid for it by his blood for you. So in all wisdom, he's smart, he knows what he's doing, and in all insight, knowing what is to come and knowing what you, were, what you were going through, in all wisdom and in all insight, he decided to back up a dump truck load of something and pour it on us. Now, what did he pour on us? It starts out with what he poured on it, according to the riches of his grace. So he backed up a dump truck load, according to the riches of him. Now, now i got to tell you this. God does things according to his standard, not your standard. And with that, what you think is sufficient, God says it may be sufficient, but I'm going to show you how good I am. I don't want to just give you sufficient. I want to lavish it. See, an, a, enough blood that it would take to save you would have been great, but he didn't just give you enough blood to save you. He gave you enough blood to save you, redeem you, set you free, give you brand new life, put you on a pathway to glory and walk in the power of God like never before. And he said, I'm going to lavish it on you and I'm going to show you how good I am, how smart I am by how I give it to you according to my standard, not your standard. Now, I preached this in a message a few years back, and it was a story about Alexander the Great. And as they were going into battle one day, they were going down the road, and there was a beggar on the side of the road. And Alexander gives him a bunch of money. And one of his main people behind him said, Alexander, why did you give him so much money when this amount would have sufficed? And he said, I give according to Alexander's worth this need. God gives according to his worth, not our need. So when he lavishes all grace upon you and he says how he describes it according to what his standard, according to the riches of him, he gives us grace. Now let's talk about grace just for a minute. The very purpose of grace is to make you more like Jesus. If it does not make you more like Jesus, it is not grace. Grace is not your license to be whatever, do whatever. Grace is your lavishing upon you of God to make you more like his son. And so all grace will always lead you into a lifestyle that looks like Jesus. And you know what I love most about Jesus? Colton, what I love most about Jesus? The grace of God was so much on Jesus that when a sinful person touched a righteous in the old covenant, it made the righteous person sinful. But Jesus had so much of God's grace on him. When a sinful person touched Jesus, it made the sinful person righteous, not the righteous person sinful. Come on, that's good. Mm. You, you got to understand this grace. 
The grace of God is upon you to make a sinful world come into the righteousness or the blood of Jesus, not to make the righteousness of us look like a sinful world. The blood of Jesus and the grace that rested upon Jesus when the woman touched just touched the hem of his garment. Well, she was made whole. She didn't even touch Jesus. She just had to touch his clothes. I haven't been walking close enough with Jesus that my clothes are immersed in grace where if you brush up against me when you leave, you say, whoa, something touched me. God. But I want to. Well, pastor, that's just silly. Why? If the purpose of grace is to make us more like Jesus and Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you a fishers of men. And the purpose of the disciple is not to know what the rabbi knew, but to be who the rabbi was. When people touch us, they should feel life coming out of us because of the grace of God that rests upon us and the him that we're living in. Come on. Mm. Boy, I need about six hours to preach this message. Ooh. Oh, we ain't got a service after this, do we? It's the second service. We're good. Come on now. So in him, it's a location word. It's not a chronological word. In him, we have redemption. Being brought back to an original state through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins. Praise God. According to his standard of riches, of his grace, that he dump truck loads upon us because I'm a smart God and I have all wisdom and insight. I know who I believe in, God says. Man, that'll change your life. If it doesn't, man, I got to pray for you some more because that is just revolutionary. God in all wisdom and insight believes in you. So much. So much, Bo. He believes in you so much. While we were sinners, he died for me and you. He believes in you so much, not just to have his son die for you, but I'm going to lavish all of heaven upon you according to my standard of grace so that you can become all that you're called to become. Why? Because I'm the smartest thing there ever was. I'm the smartest God there ever is and ever will be. I am God. I created knowledge. I got to start thinking more like him because I don't believe in people the way he believes in people. And I believe a lot in people. And my wife says, Joel, that's your biggest downfall. You believe too much. You're too gullible. You're too naive. You believe the best in everyone. Absolutely, I believe the best in everyone. If I did not have quit 19 years ago, I believe in you. But I don't believe in you like he believes in you. And I got to have some heart transformation going on in my life. Because I want to believe in people the way Jesus believed in people. The way he could call the men from deadliest catch that cussing like a sailor and say, come and follow me and be my disciples. Y- y'all seen that show, Deadliest Catch, right? Why y'all watching that? Boy, I just set y'all up. Oh, I set y'all up. That was funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> Jesus called people with that lifestyle, that language. And he said, follow me. I believe in you. And I'm going to make you somebody. Somebody that will change the world. I don't believe in people like that. But I want to. But I want to. I got to go on. I'm never going to even get three scriptures in, much less. Ooh. 1 Peter 2, 22 through 24. It says, he who committed no sin. 
Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Now, I want to, I want to differentiate on that. I'm going to take more time and expound on some of these than I did in first service. He who committed no sin, the action of the hand, nor was deceit found in his mouth. That means in his heart. Why? Because out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. Or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it says when he said, had no deceit in his mouth, that means there was no deceit in his heart. Because whatever's in your heart comes out your mouth. And so if you want to see where, where you're standing is, not with God, you're standing with God is through the blood of Jesus. But if you want to see where you're standing and you're measuring up to the lifestyle of Jesus versus the lifestyle of you, because we're supposed to be emulating, walking, and becoming who he was, just watch what comes out of your mouth. Just, just watch it. And even, even not even what comes out of your mouth, what goes through your head. And I'm going to get to the, the answer to it here in a minute, because Jesus wants to heal us, heal us of all of it. And so not just what comes out your mouth, but what goes through your head. Because even some of you, during this message, you've already thought, well, so-and-so needs to be here to hear this. You're already passing judgment on other people when you need to be looking at your own heart. Because just because that whole thought went through your head, it shows you got deceit or something in your heart. you got to get right. So when it says he committed no sin, that's the action of the hand. There was no deceit in his mouth. It means his heart was pure. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Even when he was on the cross, Father, forgive him. meant so much till now father forgive them they don't even know what they're doing daddy don't don't be mad at them daddy i know they're killing me and i know it's breaking your heart but don't be mad at them daddy i'm asking you to hold the wrath because my blood's coming there'll be a day three days from now when i put it on the heavenly altar up there that's next week's message by the way daddy don't be mad at him what are you saying Somebody beating the tar out of my son telling me not to be mad at him. Boy, I, I'm just admitting how much I'm not like God, how much your pastor still got to grow and change. I couldn't have took it. Couldn't have took it. Listen to what he said. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not throw out threats but continued entrusting himself into his own father who judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on a tree so my sin before i was even born the sin nature that i would be born into he bore in his own physical body my own sins before i had even committed the sin <laughs> only god can do that because remember in all wisdom and insight he did all these things so he bore in his body my sins on that second tree. That Joel would die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have, I have been healed, have been, past tense. On that day, I, by his wounds, I have been healed. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And that is more than just your physical body. Listen, I'm telling you, some of you in this room, you struggle to sleep at night. You have nightmares at night and you have ravenous thoughts run through your head all day long. And you take pills to go to bed at night and you take more pills to get up and have energy throughout the day. And God said, I didn't just come to make sure your physical structure was sound. I came to set you free as a captive and heal your mind and transform it so you begin to think like me and you have the mind of Christ. And so listen, I'm telling you, he came to heal you in the area of the spirit 
spirit, make your spirit one with his again, being born again. He came to heal and transform your mind, your will, and your emotions, which is all the areas of your soul. And with that, God wants to heal some people's minds this morning of ungodly thinking, of nightmares that run through your head all night long, and you're consistently thinking of things throughout the day that are tormenting you of sins of the past that God this morning, I'm telling you right now, God right now wants to set some people free of their sins of the past because it's already been paid for by the blood of Jesus on this cross and you've been tormented in your mind and he said I came to heal it and set you free now I'm going to tell you how these two come together we always love 1 Peter 2 24 and by his wounds you have been healed and we always do it when somebody's got a head cold right but the head cold you have may not be the head cold you're thinking of the head cold you have is internally in the area of your thinking not just a runny nose some of y'all get that in a minute and that's why he said he committed no sin neither was there deceit in his mouth his heart his soul mind and emotions there was none why so you can think differently act differently walk differently speak differently and your physical body can be healed also oh he paid the full price not just part of it what does it matter if your physical body lives forever but you're messed up in your head oh get it set free and, and I'm just going to do something on this. If you struggle with any of those things that I just mentioned on that, I'm just going to declare, if you'll come to the altar right now, I'm not, this is the altar call, I don't care. We don't need music, you don't, you, whatever you want to do. If you struggle with nightmares and thoughts and can't get past your past, promise if you just come to the front right now, God will touch you right where you're at. And I'm just going to keep on preaching. And so y'all can sit there and not get free if you don't want to. But if you want to get free, just start walking. And he's healing minds right now in Jesus' name. He's healing minds right now in Jesus' name. He's setting people free in Jesus' name. He's setting people free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, he's setting people free. In Jesus' name, keep setting people free. Keep setting people free. Miss Sue West, can you do me a favor? Can you just walk behind these people and just lay your hands on them and just pray for them briefly and just touch them? John, go with her. Happy 45-year anniversary yesterday, by the way. Y'all, they've been married 45 years. Isn't that awesome? Sue came in this morning. She said, I think it's going to last. I'm forgiven. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. That was, I'm forgiven. I am healed. 1 Peter 2, 22 through 24. I am alive. Now get this. Ministers, if you would, just go ahead and begin to stand by the side if you're doing altar ministry today. Worship team, come on up. I don't have time to get through the other 20 of these scriptures, but I, I got to get somewhere real quick. And I'm going to end with this one right here. It says in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, But God, everybody say, but God, being rich in mercy, according to his standards again. He's rich in mercy, so I'm going to do it according to my standard, God said. Not your standard, not your area of need. I'm going to do it to my standard to show you what good it really is. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loves us with, 
Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that there's a purpose why he did all that. So that in the coming ages, we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, according to his standards again. According to his standards, so that God says, I did all this so that I can show you how great and how rich my grace and my kindness is toward you. Because the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. But, but my question is, if it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance, why is the church so not kind to the people who need repentance? Why do we want sinners to live righteous when they've never met Jesus? It's an impossibility to live in righteousness until you've encountered the blood of Jesus. And we're telling all government, we're telling all society, people who have never met Jesus, well, they just need to make decisions. They can't. They're incapable of it. Devil don't want to hear that, but we're going to go again. I'll start all over then. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. If he did all that to show his kindness, why, is we, why are we as believers so unkind to the people who need repentance? We're so unkind to the people who need repentance the most. And if God says it's my kindness that leads people to repentance and you are my example, you are my ambassadors, as another verse says here in the next little bit that I'm not going to get to, you are my ambassadors, you are my representative in the earth. Why in the world are Christians so unkind to the people who need repentance? They're never going to repent. And he did all this for this to take place. We love this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us with, even when we, Joel, was dead in his trespasses, he made me alive together with Christ. By grace I have been saved and raised up and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that I can be kind the way he was kind to me, is what he just said. Oh God, help us. There's a word that I wish the English language versions of the Bible would have used when they began to describe what Jesus did. And y'all, I got about 20 more scriptures I didn't even hit on with the blood of Jesus. And so I need you to go study this out. I need you to go read this stuff. Don't, 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 don't take what I spoon-fed you today. Man, just memorize them. Begin to study them. Begin to read them. But this word is called expiation. Expiation. What does that mean? It is the act of making amends or reparation for guilt or wrongdoing. It is the act of making amends or reparation for guilt or wrongdoing. So Jesus, when he died upon this cross, he is the public expiation. He is the perfect 
expiation. And he is the final expiation, making the act of amends, whatever it took to have peace with God through his shed blood. He did it on the cross of Calvary. And I would say this about this dead wooden cross. The moment the blood of Jesus touched the dead wood of the cross, I would say the cross was more alive at that moment than it ever was in this moment. Why? Because the Bible says in Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you. I've given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life that's in it. It's the blood that destroyed the power of sin by the life that's in it. And I bet with all my heart that the minute the blood of Jesus touched this dead wood, that if this cross could actually have spoken, it would have preached a lot better message than you heard here this morning. But I'm telling you, in your moment, right now, wherever you're at, the blood of Jesus can change everything about your life. The Bible says this, and I close with this. This is how artificial becomes real. The Bible says, come now in Isaiah 118. Let us reason together. Now that means you can ask God a question. Okay, that doesn't mean you tell God your theology, you tell him your philosophy, you tell him all your idioms and isms and all these things. You, you don't go in there telling God what to do, but you can ask God a question. When he says, come now, let us reason together. He said, ask me what you want to know, and I, the God of all wisdom and insight, can give you any answer that you need. But too many times as Christians, we run into the presence of God, telling him all our theology, all our philosophies, and wonder why we never hear from him. And that's not reasoning with him. Reasoning with him means I realize that you are the God of all wisdom and insight, and so I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to shut up. That, that, that's smart right? See, whenever I'm in the presence of somebody who has way more knowledge than me, I don't say a word. Why? Because I want to learn everything I can. And so listen, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become wool. Be, shall become like wool. It is not until red becomes white does the artificial become real. I'm going to say that again. It's not until red becomes white does artificial become real. And I don't understand the blood of Jesus. I don't even begin to comprehend what it did. I do not understand how my black sin can touch with red blood and become white as snow. That makes no sense to me. But it happens. And I'm going to approach it by faith that when I come before the Father with all my issues, with all my problems, with all the struggles that I've been dealing with, when I bring my blackness and it touches His red bloodness and it changes me into the white glory of God Almighty, it changes every single thing. And we haven't even begun to start talking about the blood of Jesus this morning. But I am going to say this, if you are living an artificial life, the blood of Jesus will make you real. If you're living an artificial life, the blood of Jesus will make you real. If you are dead, come to the blood and experience new life. And I'm going to say it like this. Some of you have never met Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. 
I'm going to ask you to pray with one of these ministers on either side of the auditorium and watch the blood of Jesus turn your dead life into a life that's set by his standards of living, not our standards of living. You will experience life in a whole new way when you have it with Jesus, I promise. And I promise it is the funnest life you will ever have. It is an amazing life. And all these people who walk around and say Christianity ain't fun, they haven't encountered the same blood I encountered. Because I've had more fun in my life as a believer than I ever had any other way. But some of you this morning, you've been born again, but over time, you've started living an artificial lifestyle. You've started living a lifestyle that's artificial. You say you love Jesus, but your heart's really not in it. You say you're passionate about the Word of God, but you never open the Bible. You say you love prayer, but when's the last time you actually prayed and not complained? I'll, I'll tell you the difference. I've already blown time out of the water anyway. We're fine. I'll, I'll tell you the difference. When you pray, if you don't leave different, I would question, did you actually pray? Okay? When you come into the presence of God, if you don't leave change, did you actually go into the presence of God? Because anytime the presence of God has ever showed up anywhere, something changed. Anytime people truly prayed and encountered God, they left different. Anytime I have read my Bible and it was just black and white words, I have to question, did I actually read my Bible or did I just read words on a page? But there are days when I open this up with a completely surrendered heart and I'll open the Bible and I won't get past two words and I begin to cry sometimes. And as I began to study this message on the blood, I don't know how many tears I've cried. Because I know what it did, but I still don't understand it. But I so appreciate it. Because I'm not the same because of it. And I'm being transformed from faith to faith and glory to glory because of his blood. And my life has never been the same. And I don't want to look normal if, if this isn't normal. I want to be different because of the blood. I want to be transformed because of the blood. I want to emulate Jesus because of the blood. I want to honor him because of the blood. And if it's not normal, then I don't want to be normal. I'll be weird. I don't care. I want the blood of Jesus to be so profound, so known throughout the land that it changes everybody that I come in contact with. There's a reason I cry when I do communion services because the blood is so precious to me. There's a reason I'll shed tears now and I don't care if I look silly. It changed my life. Changed my life. And I want it to change yours. So stand with me this morning. If you need to meet Jesus for the very first time and go from death to life these ministers on the sides will pray with you if you need to go from artificial to real the ministers on each side will pray with you if you need to take the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ we have ministers up here ready to to serve you but here's the deal about today any of these things I mentioned if you need a touch in any area of your life come to the altars and begin to pray I'll do like I said last week come to the cross and just just lay your hand on it just for a moment to bring some reality to the actuality. Bring some reality to the actuality of your life. Because here we go. If you leave today and do not respond, it is not because you have not heard the truth. It's because you chose not to change. God, 
Heavenly Father, all I said today was just to honor you and glorify you. I do not ever want to present a weak gospel because the blood of Jesus changed all of creation, all of eternity, all of the universe. And the blood of Jesus changed me. So Father, I ask, on behalf of your Son, who shed his blood, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, that Holy Spirit, you would begin to move across this place and we would be moved to change and respond because if we don't leave here different, we got to ask ourselves, did we really have church? The altars are open. Begin to move in three, two, one.